0: You're listening to Comedy Central. I don't want to sound arrogant. I know this is a very arrogant thing to say, but uh, kids love me. <laughs> Ask any baby I ever met. <laughs> Track down any baby I ever met. Show them a picture of me. Every single baby be like, I remember her. She was great. <laughs> Solid lady. It took a while. I'm 31. It took a while. I was like, why do kids go so crazy when they see me? I realized that babies like me, because babies think that I'm just a sneaky ass baby. <laughs> That's all that is. It could be a stranger's kid screaming, crying. I walk into a room, a baby's like, wow, Ooh! look at you. Walking around here all unassisted. <laughs> you a naughty baby. I didn't know they made babies like you. That's right, I got a secret baby army just to brewin Gonna save us all. <laughs> I'm the oldest in my family. I'm the oldest, which is why I'm independently broke. What's your excuse? I remember the day my mom told me she's gonna have another kid. She walked up to me, she rubbed her belly. She said, what do you want me to have? I said, holy shit, I know that's how this works. Wow. I'll take a little sister, please. Be good to have an extra set of little hands. Help me with some of these barrettes. (laughs) A couple months later, she was like, I had a boy. Here's your baby brother. And I was like, you know, you're... Bitch, (laughs) you lied to me.
1: All right, that was Chanel Ali as part of the Refinery Twenty Nine. Comedy Central mashup series that you can find on Comedy Central Stand-Up's YouTube channel. It's a really cool thing they're doing. They're doing a whole bunch of these with comics like Jenna Friedman, Rachel Sinnott, uh, Iowa Dabiri, and Chanella Lee. There's a, there's a bunch more here. Great names, great comics. Uh, it's it's an all-women show that they're doing, and it's it's really cool. And I am Tom Takar, here with you another week on Stand-Up with Tom Takar. I'm uh, I'm glad to have you. I'm joined, as always, by producer extraordinaire, Coach T. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you doing? How are you living? Good, man. Good, man. We just aired a bonus episode you can check out about This Is Stand Up, if you haven't heard it already. I pulled some clips from this documentary all about stand-up comedy. It is star-studded with people like Kevin Hart, Jerry Seinfeld, Gary Shandling, Taylor Tomlinson, Maria Bamford, a bunch of people, all kinds of guys. Jamie Foxx is in it. It's really crazy. And uh, you can see that whole thing on cc.com, that's Comedy Central's website, for free starting April 28th. Check that out. And, man, I'm so excited to be hosting the show another week, man. How's your Easter going?
2: Uh, It's going, you know, it's pretty good. We're we're living a dream. What'd you eat today? Oh, you know what, man? I don't even do Easter, man. I do matzo (laughs) bread all week.
1: Matzo bread all week?
2: Oh, yeah, man. That's not what I heard. (laughs) 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 I'm busting you. (laughs) Matzo bread and... (laughs) Taco Bell counts because there's no leaven in Taco
1: Bell. They have matzo bread at Taco
2: Bell now? (laughs) Matzo bread, tortilla, you know, it's all flat.
1: That's true, man. I'm so jealous you went to Taco Bell. (laughs) I gotta tell you, man, I miss it so much. I thought about like uh seamlessing some taco bell but i don't think i can do it i'm here i'm the place that i'm uh, quarantining is my my girlfriend's parents place and i think i'd get a lot of judgment if i tried to seamless in some taco bell oh because
2: they're like cooking for you and stuff
1: <laughs> yeah 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 and i just think it would be shamed i think if i snuck it in through a chipotle bag it would be a little <laughs> less
2: shamed <laughs> Oh yeah, because you're by like a like a hippo or not? Hip, or what do they call that? A uh, uh, hipsterville?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty you close. You
2: can't have any corporations over there.
1: Huh? <laughs> Just a select few. Hell yeah, uh, man! I got. I'm gonna talk about this real fast. I'm psyched. To, I don't know if you saw this, coach. We were top hundred in podcasts. Thanks everybody for listening. That's crazy. That's because you're killing it, man. I'm having a great time doing this show, man. Uh, I wanted to get into something because. I've been having a great time doing the show. Me and Coach recorded some of this stuff before that we we didn't air because it was pre-quarantine. It didn't make any sense to put it out because it didn't reflect the times we are in. But in those episodes, I kind of discussed what we're doing here because I, I don't think I've done that in the in the last uh, in the last couple. I kind of touched on it, but it's like. Basically, I'm a stand-up DJ for you guys. I'm picking out clips. Is that offensive to say, Coach? You're a oh, DJ. Oh, no, not at all.
2: Not at all. I, I was thinking the same thing. Or or like the Ken Burns of comedy. Yeah,
1: yeah, The way you yeah, did that yeah.
2: bonus episode, you killed it.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah, I had fun watching that documentary. Definitely check that out, by the way. If you, if you like this show, you're going to love this is stand-up, but... Yeah, it's like stand-up DJ, it feels like, which, man, I'm so lucky I have a girlfriend because that would be the worst fucking thing to put on a dating profile. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody always bitches about, oh, it's all DJs on these things, and it's like, man, nothing worse sounding than stand-up comedy DJ. (laughs) (laughs) My buddy, I think it was uh, Binyam Bazuna, pointed out, he's like, man, it'd be so funny if, like, at like a club, they mixed you in with the regular DJs, and I'm just playing like fucking Todd Berry clips. <laughs> but yeah. I want to set up why I'm doing this show, which is that I am a huge comedy nerd. And this show, I think originally, um, when when Christy D was, uh, was hosting it, I think they were trying to do stuff where they did themes and stuff, where it was like, uh, here's an episode about relationships. I don't really want to do that because for me... Personally, I find that um, it gets a little; it can get redundant to hear the same topics. And I just want to pick the best shit that I can find for you guys. And I've done the homework on it. I was a nerdy ass little kid who I was telling my girlfriend about this earlier. But I used to do this thing in high school where I had a folder where I would write down every comedian that I loved, like all the comics that I knew of. And like I said, there's Todd Barry and Maria Bamford. A lot of people you're gonna hear on this show. And I would write out their jokes because I was trying to learn how to do comedy, basically. I was trying to figure out how to write jokes the way that my favorite comedians did. And man, that is some. If your kids are doing that, put them in therapy right now because <laughs> only one person can host this podcast, unfortunately. <laughs> this is luckily this thing exists because I don't know what the fuck I would be doing with all this information, to be totally honest. But I'm really happy to be able to dig through and show you guys comedy that I love because I feel like a lot of people have missed a lot of this stuff. And even people who love comedy, it's hard to find exactly what you're looking for because there's so much content out there so I am here to do that work for you I want to show you the best of the best the stuff that I watched as a kid and the stuff that I've watched recently that I think is great and that may be covered up maybe you can't watch it because of the, because you don't have an account or whatever or maybe it's just hard to find that's the thing is even if you love comedy sometimes it's just hard to find it and if you don't know somebody's name already it, how do you do it so I, I'm here to help you with that and I always say, it's funny with with comedy, people don't really care if they don't know your name. With music, I don't know if you've noticed this, Coach, What's but up? I feel like anytime somebody doesn't know about a band, if you're like, hey, have you heard of the Kinky uh, Dinks or whatever, uh-huh. people, people their instinct is to go, oh, I, I've heard of them, but because they don't want to seem uncool. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. uncool yeah. to not know about music. But if you don't know a comic, you're like, I don't even know who the fuck that is. You like You kind of treat them like they're trash, even though it's really... You just might not know it, and I want to show people some stuff that that now when they see that person's name come up, they'll go, oh, I heard that person on this show, and I I hope you guys like the clips that I'm showing you. So far, it's been really cool getting messages from people uh, who listened and discovered clips from comics that they don't even know, and that's what I'm doing. I'm dusting off stuff that even if you know a famous comic, some of these clips are old as hell, and you might not know these bits from these comics that are great and that really gave them their star power to begin with and got them opportunities later in their career for bigger specials that you did see so that's what we're doing here i think that's a pretty good summary right you did a good
2: job because getting ready for the show i was looking at some of your clips and i was and i laughed and i I work on comedy so much that i be surprised i don't really laugh that much but i was like man tom's picking some really like classical stand-up kind of kind of things
1: Yeah, man, I want to mix it up too. I I like to do the old and the new because what I realize is a lot of people didn't see this stuff, and I I worry. I think as a just a comedy nerd, I worry that this stuff that I think is great is going to get covered up by history, and people are just never going to see it. And Instagram comics. uh, Yes, exactly. Where it's like, and even here's the thing: there's some fucking great Instagram comics. Some people are hilarious on Instagram, but there's all this. There's all this material that's so much better out there that's old <laughs> and that people don't want to look to. And also what happens a lot of the time that you'll – I'm trying to avoid this within the show as much as I can. But you notice these topics that a lot of people talk about now were talked about 20 years ago the mm. same way. And maybe somebody's already done a bit and people don't even do the homework to see. I mean that's that happens all the time. But nonetheless, I, I just think there's a lot of gold – And I am here to stand-up DJ. I hope you guys like this. This is Paul F. Tompkins and Maria Bamford.
3: When I was a kid... um... I like to mimic commercials a lot, and there's this great commercial out right now where um, it's for makeup, and it's Melanie Griffith. She's getting all mad. She's like, she's like, don't deny your age. Defy it. <laughs> it's like taking on the beauty business from the inside. You go, working girl. I want, I want to do one. I'd be, I'd be like, I'd be like, my old lip color could barely
4: keep up with my busy schedule.
3: <laughs> oh, and the time it takes to notice the
4: wide discrepancy between my salary and that of my male peers that I have to reapply. <laughs> Oh, in the seconds to count the number of women in high political offices seated on corporate executive boards and featured in film and television over the age of 40, my lip color would be as invisible as this glass ceiling only inches above my head. (laughs) Yeah. Hey because I am worth it and because holding myself to an impossible standard of beauty keeps me from
3: starting a riot
5: <laughs>
3: um, I uh, I love TV my favorite show I don't know if you guys have seen this um e celebrity homes with Suzanne Senna uh, that's a great show they have a uh... They'll have, a, they'll have, like, some TV celebrity, like Meredith Baxter Burney, walking around her castle. <laughs> her stands, she's saying stuff like, uh... Um, this, this is the kitchen.
4: Um, <laughs> this, this is where my heart is. Um... <laughs> My husband and I, we decided to move to Malibu because we just love the fresh air and the ocean. And, and to walk out on our own private beach was, was really important to us. But, but uh, let's go take a look at the view. <laughs>
3: I have my own show called "Comedian Homes." we <laughs> just go to the apartments of my friends.
4: Um, this, is, this is the kitchen. Um, this is where the, the bathroom, the bedroom, and this is really where the 400 square feet of my apartment is. <laughs> um, we and when I say "we," I mean myself, my miniature hamster Benita. Um, <laughs> We decided to move to downtown Los Angeles, Koreatown, because they don't check your credit references. And that
3: was really, really important to us. Um. I support the ladies, I'm a ladyist. But sometimes, sometimes it's hard when you work for like a lady boss, like especially when she tries to act like she's your friend. Calls you honey and sweetheart and
5: girlfriend, hey!
3: I
4: want you to take a break, take a walk, get me a latte and it's 2% milk, you should know that by now. I'm having a party at my house this weekend and I really want you to come and meet some really cute, really available men at the door, park their cars, take their coats and speak only when spoken to. Mm. Mm. I want you to know that I see us as equals, as partners. Even though I earn, what is it, 850% more than you do? Get that to me in a memo, because I've got to go Drive aimlessly around Los Angeles looking for caves and tunnels from where I can call you with my cell phone.
5: Um. <laughs>
3: uh. I, sometimes I get kind of a bad attitude at work. Stop being a team player. Forget why I started temping in the first place, which was to make a difference. Remember one day, one day I was a. Uh, sitting in the employee kitchen drinking non-dairy creamer straight from the carton. <laughs> and a girlfriend, she came up to me and she said,
4: Hey, Maria, I've been taking this class that's really changed my life. W- would you like to come tonight? It's at 7.30 p.m. at the Devil Tree Santa Monica. There's no obligation. And it's free.
3: Sh- sure, I'll join your cult. <laughs> Always wanted to be in one, you know. Get to wear a uniform. You have any major life questions? Check the manual. There is a God. There is a plan, and the spaceship is coming. <laughs> so I went. They sent me down with the guru. She said, uh,
4: Maria, what's something you want to make manifest in your life?
3: Like a new car.
4: What do you really want?
3: A new new car. <laughs> What do you really want? Toyota Forerunner SR5 Limited Leather (laughs) that that runs on dreams and starlight. (laughs) She got mad at me because I didn't have the cash for the brainwash weekend.
4: (laughs) Ray, let's think of all the ways we can get $495 tonight. Do you have a charge card? Nope. Do you have something you could sell?
3: I bet my soul might be worth something. Is there, is there anyone you could borrow it from? Oh man, if you could spot me.
4: (laughs) Uh, uh... Maria, what are you afraid of? Bears. (laughs) What are you afraid of? The North American grizzly. What are you afraid of? God, it's, it's weird because I'm, I'm most afraid
3: of being sucked into a crazy, creepy cult.
5: <laughs> Why? Why am I so free? <laughs> oh, man.
3: She said I was afraid of success. Which may, in fact, be true because I have a feeling that fulfilling my potential would really cut into my sitting around time.
6: I flew on a plane to get here because I figured that would be fastest. Um, And I was in line at the, uh, the airport security checkpoint, Charlie. And as I'm standing there, I see they have a little sign with pictures of things you are not allowed to bring on the plane anymore. And they have like little drawings, circle, line through it, no. One of the things you can't bring on the plane anymore is a bomb. (laughs) No, no, they had a picture. Yeah, can't do it. And it was the classic uh, cartoon bomb, like the bowling ball with the little sparky wick (laughs) coming out of it. And then you might think, oh, I got a way around that. Uh Uh-uh, not so fast. They also had a picture of the bundle of dynamite with the clock. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice try. But they are two steps ahead. Gotta put that in the box with the other bombs. You know what I mean? The cardboard box full of bombs? Yeah. My favorite item that you can't bring on the plane anymore, and they had a picture of it. You can't bring this on the plane anymore. Brass Knuckles. <laughs> that is adorable. It is the two thousands. Who is walking around with Brass Knuckles? It's not happening anywhere. Uh, be on the lookout for two old-timey gangsters approaching the gate. They answer to the names Bruiser and Crusher. Be sure to check their spats for us app. If someone's bringing Brass Knuckles onto a plane, let them have them. He clearly needs to have them more than you need him to not have them. You know what I'm saying? He's not any threat to the operation of the aircraft. Hey, this plane goes where I say or someone's getting a goose egg on the old coconut. Yeah, they look like knuckles, but they're brass. Just let him have his brass knuckles. Look, you've already checked my lead pipe and my bicycle chain. This is outrageous. I need those brass knuckles. I have a very important rumble on the other side of the country and I can't show up (laughs) empty-handed. You know, most of the guys in the gang, they want to go right from the airport straight to the rumble venue. But I'm like, guys, let's check into the hotel, have some room service first. We've never been to this city as a gang before. Let's enjoy it. (laughs) I love the reasonable gang member. (laughs) Have we tried talking to the other gang? (laughs) Um, I seem to be the only one in my apartment building who does not have an insane, vicious, terrifying dog. And I don't know how that happened. I don't know if there was, like, a memo in the common areas that I missed. Like, we're all getting insane dogs. Who's on board? And then I didn't check a box or something. But every day, This happens, every day this happens. I'm walking down the stairs, and I hit the landing, and just as I'm about to turn out on the landing, and I'm thinking, what's today gonna be like for me? (laughs) I met with the sight of a terrifying dog barking right in my face. Just like (laughs) da-da-da, And it is horrible. I will, like, start, right? And then sometimes, if I'm honest, a little noise will come out, like, oh, like that. (laughs) What drives me crazy is the people whose dog it is, they don't apologize. They just don't say anything, you know? And it's not like I don't give them the in for the apology either. Oh, i toss them some nice fat softballs, believe you me. Wow, wow, he certainly gave me quite a start, that, that dog that is your responsibility. Woo. Oh, boy. Me, a fellow human being with feelings and dignity, wow. Oh. I'm sure that he would apologize if he could, but as he lacks the capacity for speech, who will pick up the baton, I wonder? (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. They say nothing. What's worse than saying nothing, because sometimes you get this, if they look at me and go, super condescending. If they go, he's all right. I don't think he's all right at all. Like, my idea of all right never includes fangs. Never. Even if you woke me out of a sound sleep. Paul, explain the concept of all right. The fangs are part of it? That would never happen. I don't think he's all right. I think he is straining at that thin cord of a leash to get a taste of my sweet neck blood which once he eats it, he'll never want anything else again. I know how it works, dogs. Now, I know you don't want to apologize for your dog because he's your pal. He's your buddy. It's like, he's not even a dog anymore and you're not even a human, you're just friends. Well, let's say you had a human friend and you and your human friend run a bar somewhere and then a stranger walked in the bar and your human friend turned to the stranger and said, I am going to murder you! I don't think you would say, he's all right. Yeah, I bet you'd apologize. I bet. I like going to theme parks, I think because I hate money. I think that's why. Like, sometimes I'll open my wallet, and I'll say, oh, you have had it. (laughs) I like going on the rides and stuff, and I love all the garbage you can buy at the theme park. My favorite thing, it's got got to be in almost every theme park, the smashed penny machine. (laughs) Oh, what could be better? It's like like catnip to me. I can't help myself. (laughs) I have pennies. I want to get rid of them. I like to smash things. (laughs) Smash penny is great. For just 51 cents, you can get your very own smash penny. All it costs is 51 cents. You get a little design on the penny for just 51 cents. Look, I'm fine with providing my own penny. That seems fair. But 51 cents? You're telling me penny smashing technology is so cost prohibitive I got to cough up four bits? Come on. (laughs) Smash penny. It's it's worth it, though. I joke around. It's worth it. Because for just 51 cents, you get your very own smashed penny. Oh, smash penny! Good to see you. We are going to have some great times, old friend. Oh, smash penny. I can't wait to get you home, take you out of my pocket, and put you on the dresser for... Three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Then you're going to make your way into a shoebox filled with ticket stubs and old keys that don't fit anything anymore. <laughs> so long, Smash Penny. I'll see you next time I move. <laughs> now, usually at every Smash Penny station, you will find. The smashed penny wallet. That's right, it holds up to 12 smashed pennies. And I want to remind you that it is a wallet. Meaning you're supposed to carry it around with you. Once you got it full of smashed pennies, that's what wallet means, doesn't it? Last time I checked. Why? Why would you ever have this? Why? Is this for people that absolutely have no idea, no idea how to start a conversation with a stranger? (laughs) Like they're just, they don't know what to do whatsoever. Well, I I don't know anything about politics, but uh, let me ask you a question. (laughs) How many smashed pennies have you ever seen in one place at one time? (laughs) Less than 12? You might want to sit down.
1: Alright, that was Maria Bamford and Paula Tompkins. God, I love that Maria Bamford chunk. It's so funny. And she's just great, man. Had you, have you heard a lot of Maria Bamford stuff? No, but I've heard the name. yeah, she is uh, she's one of my favorite comedians. She's not just an incredible performer. She's just a great person, man. I, I think a lot of people talk a lot about what they'll do for other comedians and and how they'll help. But she's the reason that people know the good that she does is word of mouth. And if you're a good person in this industry, it gets around. Maria Bamford is one of the best people in comedy. She's so generous with her money and her time. And she's just a true comic. She'll do stand up. There was a while, I don't know if she's still doing this, but she was meeting people for coffee and just doing her act for them because she, she wanted to be able to work out material. And so she would have fans meet her for like lunch and then she would do her act for them. And just a, she pays comics she works with. Uh, Jackie, I listened to uh, Jackie Cation and Lori Kilmartin show a lot. And Jackie, opened, Jackie was touring. Uh, Jack, we'll definitely be playing Jackie Cation and, and Lori Kilmartin's clips on the show as well. Jackie uh, toured with Maria for a long time. I don't know if she still does. I think she probably does. But Maria would split the money according to their time, which is a crazy thing to do. Most comedians... I don't know if there's any other comedian who's ever done that before, but she thinks it's fair. She's also the person who is the loudest, I think, about m- being vocal about how much people are getting paid, which I think a lot mm. of comics are afraid to do. Like I said, I was obsessed with Bamford before I started doing comedy. And she's so generous with her time that one of my first memories in comedy, I had just done like maybe six to 10. I had probably just started doing open mic, so I would probably done like 15, 20 sets. I sucked. I was working at the hospital that was like a mile from the comedy club. And Maria Bamford was in town, and I was so excited because I was such a huge fan. And I went to the show the Thursday. I used to do this thing where I would go to every single show that somebody did for a weekend because I felt like I could learn from what they were doing. My The club owner of my home club, The Comedy Attic in Bloomington, Indiana, really instilled that in me, which is hang out as much as you want. I did like flyers for the club or whatever, and he would let me hang around as much as I want and just watch as much comedy as I could, and I did. I, I spent so much of my 20s in the back of that club just watching anybody who came through almost every set they'd do if I could. And boy, did every girl I dated fucking hate that. Uh, but I I definitely <laughs> did it, and uh, and I think I did pick up a lot from it. But most of all, I just got to watch a lot of great comedy. Maria Bamford, obviously no exception, but what she did that was different is Friday or Saturday during the day... I was at work, and I got a text from the club owner. He had emailed all the comics who had ever done the open mic, and he was like, "Look, Maria Bamford wants to host uh, this like session where she gives note like we all do like jokes in front of Maria Bamford. We all give each other notes, including her. She did it too. And it was such a dream where I was like, i'm I suck and I'm delivering this shitty new joke." to Maria Bamford and we got on stage it wasn't like she made us do it one on one but she we got on stage did the joke and then we all just went in a circle and gave notes on the jokes and obviously hers was the only one that mattered because <laughs> everybody else is just a dumbass just like me well,
2: Oh she she like organized the uh, like a feedback session for up and coming yes. comics
1: Yes that is how much she loves comedy and just how how generous of a person she is with her time because that probably took two hours of it her day, and that it that is not nothing for sure for a com- for a working comedian like her, who was already very big and doing a lot of stuff with her time. for her to take that two hours meant the world to me, and I will th- I will remember it forever because when you're a new comic, you grasp at straws, man. You really need any kind of lifeline you can get. And somebody like Maria Bamford telling you your joke is kind of is. Giving any kind of feedback that it's good is just another little life preserver for you to stay afloat for a little longer in this because it's so easy to lose faith and give up. Did, did you, Do you remember the uh, feedback she gave you, the, the advice? I honestly don't because it was a joke that I probably was... I did that one time and was like this sucks. I I I know myself and I was probably embarrassed, but I also was grateful at the same time. I, she's just wonderful. I'm 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 such a huge fan. And Paul of Tompkins too. I'm am a big fan of Paul of Tompkins. I think that uh he's also brave as hell for branching out into a whole new thing. I could be misremembering this, but I I heard this thing about Paul of Tompkins because now he's very popular for doing all these characters on comedy bang bang and other podcasts and on his own shows from I maybe heard bad information but I, I from what I understand he started doing these improvised things just from doing those shows it wasn't like he was taking classes or trying them out other places he just started doing them on comedy bang bang if that's true I mean that's such a cool way to start a new part of your career I, I'm just a big fan. And if you want to hear more of Paula Tompkins stuff, check out any of his specials. He has a bunch of cool albums. He has a bunch of great albums on Spotify. Paul had that
2: uh, that bit about the angry dogs. And yes. As a, are, Do you
1: own dogs? You I f- don't own dogs, but my mom does. I've, I've never been able to have... Dude, it's hard. I don't understand all these comics who can have dogs other than if you're super famous because the level that I'm at, one, being in New York, it's already hard to have a dog. But... Me and my and my girlfriend both are way too busy. We have cats. I have two cats. Yeah, you look like a cat guy. What the fuck's that supposed to mean? I just think you. (laughs) I just look like you like cats. Cats are. uh, Nobody, no man has ever said to another man. (laughs) But you look look like you like cats, (laughs) and that's a nice thing to say. (laughs) I I don't think any pet is you taco bell eating son of a bitch.
2: I don't think any pet is, is, like, better. not. I just think there's different lifestyles. Like, cats are more like roommates. Like, dogs are like, you know, they're almost like babies or something. True. So. Don't get me wrong. I would love to be able to have a dog. I love dogs. Um... But you, but you look like a city guy. You know, you look like you gotta I'm a go city up man thirty right now. Could you imagine like being on the top of some sixty-story building in New York and have to go all the way down the elevator every time your dog wants to piss? Like that's crazy. I can't. That does seem brutal. That's what I'm saying. You get a cat; they
1: pee in a litter box. It's all good. I think it's funny that he has this take on dogs because I think it's a tough take to have. It's rare that you hear an anti-dog take. It and needed stand to be, up. It
2: needed to be said. <laughs> I'm, serious. <laughs> I'm serious. Do you feel
1: like you get annoyed? Do you? You don't have a dog, do you? I do have a dog.
2: I have. What kind two, of dog you have? I have? It's a little Jack Russell and Chihuahua. Oh hell yeah! And he's he's very he's very handsome, but he's he's also very aggressive.
1: He's and very handsome. He's. I've That's been told such a dog on her way to talk with <laughs> Oh, you're such a handsome little guy. <laughs> We're gonna have some guests along the line that I think will also be trusted, like. I really want to give voices to people who are really knowledgeable about comedy, and I think that people are hungry for this stuff, and I I hope they are. I think that the way that people watch comedy now and take it in is not the way that I did coming up. Like Me and you have talked about this, where I just absorbed comedy albums and specials Mm -hmm. and half hours, and I think most people right now, the way they get comedy is on Pandora, and Mm. they get it on um, maybe Spotify and Sirius. Sirius Sirius is big for comedy now, and they're putting out a lot of good stuff too, but I think that what I'm hoping to do is really take the time and curate this stuff for people, and I I hope they enjoy it. Coach, let's get a little bit of your background too while we're we're doing this little catch-up here because you have a little bit of a background in comedy as well. Uh, I guess you could say that. I'm an actual comedy
2: DJ. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, man, really take the legs out from me there, man. But, but you're like a com- you're like a comedy disc jockey, like I, yes. I I'm like a comedy sound designer. Yes. So it's a little bit different. I, I try to use music and people's relationship to uh, sounds and things to help enhance jokes as best I can when I get an opportunity to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I mean, I love working with you. It's really cool. Also, it's kind of nice to not do this with a stand-up comic because I get to hear your side of things as someone who isn't. You do a good job of catching me on being too nerdy, which I've been really getting into. I think this quarantine is really making me mental where I've just been watching all this comedy and talking about comedy so much that I start to just go. And it uh, it's nice to have somebody to wrangle me in, man. I consider you to be doing a very valuable service. This is a needed
2: job in the field of comedy, there's so many comics who are so concerned about their own career that they don't know how to pay it forward and bring attention to the entire art. I think you do a really good job of that.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate that because that's exactly what I do. And what I want to do with this show is not just show you comics that you've seen before in material, but I want to, I hope to introduce people to comics that they haven't seen and that they really fall in love with. And it's tough to do over the course of a five or six minute clip, but I've already gotten messages from people. I got messages from people who had never heard that Patrice shit that they I played heard on the last Patrice. one. Yeah, even that which I was a little bit like ah oh, people know this even that so I'm and here's the thing I'm doing it for myself right now. When I go back and watch a bit like that when, when I watch bits like the, that Patrice uh collection that I that I picked for the latest episode, I'm enjoying it all over again and I think people don't realize that. I think that there's a real I don't know, disposability with comedy where people go mm. back to music but if they see a if they see some stand up once they go all right I saw it I, and then they, they want the, joke, the next thing. Yeah, but it's like I yeah. watched I remember watching Jim Gaffigan's Beyond the Pale like 20 times over the course of 3 weeks because I was just so enamored by it. And I guess that makes sense cuz I do this. So it's it makes sense that I would be that obsessive about it, but it wasn't even like I was doing stand up then. I was just very comforted by it. And I found it was like a concert to me where I was I was like, These are the hits. I loved it. <laughs> and I, I hope that people get that out of it. I know that's fucking lame, but you, I, you gotta stop the self deprecation. <laughs> this is important.
2: Comedy is a, is a billion dollar industry when people get you know forty Man, million dollars. I'd love dollars to see $1. where that
1: billion dollars went.
2: <laughs> it all goes to Chris Rock and whoever else is on yes, Netflix. Seven hundred fifty million went
1: to Jerry Seinfeld and Dave Chappelle, and then a hundred went to Eddie Murphy, and then about the the rest of the like hundred grand is le- is split up amongst new working comedians. People like most people are putting out their own specials right now. I them. know right? that's that's where the money is coming from. That's, yeah, yeah, comics are paying to play. It's it's really crazy, but I hope, uh, I, yeah, I hope you guys find some new comics out of it. And if you don't, I hope you love the the clips that uh, you know from the comedians you already heard. But a lot of comics are struggling right now, so they could use new fans. And I I hope to provide yeah, that yeah. for it, people like Chanel Ali, who you just heard. Yeah, because even um, if you
2: can't like afford to like pay anybody. If you just listen to their clip and you maybe follow them and say, you know, on Twitter, yes. or social media and say, I just heard your stuff. It's helping me through quarantine. That could really help uplift the spirit of some of these comics.
1: That's so true. It's really valuable. And it's, you know, uh, it's so true that you're right. A follower is so valuable right now because of the way that a lot of comedy venues work, it used to be if you have this credit, if you have the credit of you did a late night, you were on David Letterman. You could headline a club and get a paid weekend of work. Nowadays, the way it works is they go to your social media page and they go, oh, you have 100,000 followers. You're probably going to sell some tickets at my club. They can see exactly how many followers you have. So enough followers equals money. Whatever you can do, you know, it helps. And definitely listening to somebody's album on Spotify, it's not the most money they're going to get. If you can afford to buy someone's album, that helps them big time. Go to their websites, buy their merch, that shit helps so much. Um, But yeah, do whatever you can. Listen to their podcast. Just share their stuff. That helps. Anything you can do is helpful, and I'm glad to be able to have this platform because I'm telling you, I, I, I wake up in the middle of the night sometimes right now, and I'm like, I can't believe this exists. Because I, I'm, so, I'm so fucking lucky that this exists, because I don't know what I would be doing with all this knowledge if, uh, <laughs> if it didn't. <laughs> with all good. these dumbass bits just bouncing around my head. Yeah, and that's how superheroes are made. <laughs> Alright, I think we should probably load up our last clip here. Yeah, what do you got for us? So this last clip, I, I think I've been uh, killing time to put it off because it it, it kind of bums me out. But I wanted to play this clip from a man who sadly passed away this past week. We he 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 died in between us recording and in the episode releasing. But a great comic by the name of Vic Henley passed away this past week. I don't think it was corona related. I think it, what I read was something else but uh, pulmonary embolism or something like that and it's it's really sad when it whenever any comic dies to me because like I said this is a weird cult we're all in where we all have each other and when you run into somebody like a Vic Henley on the road it's a it's a nice thing to have and I just met him shortly before I came to LA because he lived in New York and he's a Southern guy who lives in New York, and he's really I, watching his half hour the other night. I was, I was reminded of just how great he was and how original his voice was, and it's it's just tough to lose. It's it's tough to lose somebody in this in this comedy game, especially. Like I said, I just met the guy. I hit it off with him immediately. I had a great time having drinks with the comedy cellar, and. It's, it's weird. I was just listening to a podcast today where he came up and it was not about him dying. It was just somebody trying to remember something about it. He he wrote jokes for Jeff Foxworthy. And I, I have a lot of love for anybody who enters into this and sticks it out and whose who's job is to make people happier than before they saw them. I think, I think in a lot of ways this can be a noble job. And Vic was definitely one of those guys who people – watched and left very happy he was a favorite of one one of my home clubs was uh, go bananas i started at the comedy attic and go bananas in cincinnati and vic was at go bananas all the time and the people just raved about him the staff loved him and it's 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 really hard to lose comics and vic uh I, I wanted to play one of vic's clips for you guys this is a bit that he would close on at go bananas and uh it's it's really great this is Vic Henley's KKK bit.
7: I'll, I'll, tell, I'll do a little something different here. I, uh, I'm in a storytelling show here in town where comics get together and tell stories. So, and I'll tell you guys a little story here. Because uh, uh, it amazes me still after living here the things people say to you just right off the bat. You know, you walk off stage talking to somebody at the club or something, they're like, where are you from again? I'm like, Alabama. Really? Tell me about the Klan. <laughs> well, pull up a chair here, my friend, and let me regale you with the fabulous... Jackass. But this guy said this to me a couple of weeks ago, and it actually did remind me of the first time I ever saw the Klan, everybody, all right? So, uh, I was a senior in high school, and uh, some friends of mine and I were driving over to Birmingham, Alabama, about an hour away. We're making the big road trip over because we want to go see Kiss in concert. Yes. What white trash story does not start out exactly like that? There's four of us, we're in a silver Trans Am with the T-top convertibles, they are removed. (laughs) Right, and and we're, we're, everybody's carrying on. We're in the backseat, we're all liquored up and uh, we're having a big time. Now, one of our friends is is going with us to the Kiss concert, his uh, his name is Scoop, and uh, Scoop, anyway. Scoop happens to be a black man, and uh, he's going with us because he cannot understand why anybody would want to go see Kiss in concert. He's a black guy, he likes rhythm and blues, musicianship, funk, he's not in it. We're like, no, it's like theater, there's blood and fire, and he's like, crazy ass cracker. So- so Scoop was with us. So like, we, we thought it was gonna be a pretty good trip because uh, someone in the car uh, threw, threw a bottle of some sort over the car, not, not the riding on the passenger side, pitching it out, but like, like somebody tossed one over the whole car and hit a mile marker sign on the side of the highway, one of those little green signs. So we really thought that Jesus had touched our car at this particular point. <laughs> and so, right, so we know it's gonna be a big, big trip. So, uh, so we're out of uh, we're out of, uh, of of all the goodies, and so we're going to stop at a convenience store and uh, and get some more beer and stuff, and we need some gas. And uh, we pull off this little exit here in the middle of nowhere, and there's just uh, a grocery store and a gas station in front of it, right? And here's four Klan guys standing in the middle of the road having a roadblock for the Klan. They got buckets. They want people to donate money to the Klan. It's like an old country. Like people would have like for cancer or muscular dystrophy or any other. Legal charity, these jackasses are standing out there with all their clan hood on, they have buckets on, right? They have the stuff pushed up, It's like, and it's August, so it's like nine million degrees, 800% humidity, so not only are they racist, they're idiots. <laughs> and so, as soon as Scoop's, and the youngest one, the youngest one is 80 if he's a day. <laughs> right, and so nobody's really, people are rotting by honking horns, throwing cigarettes at them, nobody's, you know, it's just, it's more sad <laughs> than anything. So as soon as we get out of the car, Scoop, my black friend sees this. He's like, oh my God, I've got to have one of those hats. My friend that is in the front passenger seat, he is a uh, four-time state champion wrestler, okay? So he's a very powerful man. So as soon as Scoop says this, my buddy goes, well, let's just beat the piss out of him and take it from him. Good God, they're 305 years old. Hell, I can take four of them. Come on. Let's strip them naked and leave by the side of the highway. Screw these guys. They're in the clan. And, and the rest of us are a bunch of wusses, so we can, you know. I'm like, look, let's not beat the hell out of the old guys here. <laughs> Here's what we should do. I tell Scoop, I'm like, look, you, uh, you get down behind the, the driver's seat here. Don't let them see you. It might scare them. And... Uh, <laughs> And I'm like, I'll get down behind you in the back seat here and I'll hold your feet where you won't fall out of the car, right? And so the T-tops are out. The convertible is out. And I tell my brother this, drive. And I'm like, look, act like you're going to give this jackass a dollar. Here, take a dollar and wave it to him. And then when he comes over near the car, we're right by the on-ramp, you know, right? So when he comes near the car, I tell Scoop, I'm like, when he gets close to dunk the dollar, I go, you pop up, grab the hood, you hit the gas, we'll do a little snatch and grab. Right? So... So Scoop is in our high school yearbook, holding up the clan hood, waving at the camera like this right here.
1: Okay, that was Vic Henley. We miss you, pal. Check out Hell is Real, the album Vic Henley just put out right before he passed away. And once again, we're going to do the takar algorithm. This is just like how Netflix has their algorithm where they show you. If you like this movie, you'll like this one. I'm going to do that with the comedians we show each week. If you like Maria Bamford, you'll also love Stuart Huff. Stuart Huff is a legend that is still under the radar for reasons I don't understand. You're going to love him. He's a true liberal redneck with a super unique voice. Really funny, really prolific. You'll You'll say you knew him before he was famous if you check him out. Now, and if you like Paul F. Tompkins, I think you'll love Joe Zimmerman and Carmen Legala. Very funny, unique joke writers very silly and i love watching them and if you like this show hey please rate it and review it share it with people subscribe for sure and yeah let people know about it let us know about it write a review i appreciate it big time and if you got questions for me and coach t send them over we don't have an email for the show but hey dm me personally i'm happy to respond i've already gotten a bunch of messages about the show from people asking for more advice on comics and i love doing it especially during this quarantine time you can follow me at tom a takar that's t-h-a K K A R till next week for me and coach T we'll see you next time with more of that hot shit.
2: This has been a comedy central podcast.